together with American Songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Seth Walker over Zoom video. Seth was born and raised in North Carolina, Central North Carolina, to a very, very musical family. He picked up cello at age three and ended up playing that until about 16 years old. Uh, he didn't really play guitar until he was in college. Kind of did the sports thing, got into uh, East Carolina University, went there to pursue art. He was always into painting and fine arts, um, but uh, he picked up a guitar there, was turned on to some blues records, and it was over. He was just totally immersed himself in writing music and learning blues songs and covering blues songs. Talks about moving to Austin, and it wasn't until his fifth record, his fifth album that he put out, that he really said he kind of found his voice. And from there, he's continued to just build an amazing career. He talks about his most recent record, Are You Open? Where he was when COVID hit and the new memoir book, Your Van is on Fire, that he just recently released. You can watch our interview with Seth Walker and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Seth Walker. Uh, this is all about you, man, and your uh, journey in music and how you got to where you are now. Cool. Remind me your name? Adam. Adam, that's right. Good to see you, Adam. Good to see you, Seth. I appreciate where, it again. Where are you at, buddy? Um, actually, I just, uh, my family and I just moved to Nashville about uh, less than a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts are you? Well, actually, right now I'm down in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Okay. Yeah, I played a show down here on um, uh, this past weekend, and uh, my family we're all down here hanging. We had a little music camp. My father, my my father and uncle and aunt, they do a little music camp down here. So, wow, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. So you're yeah. actually able to play live in front of human beings. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. It hadn't <laughs> been, what a it concept. Hadn't, it hadn't been much of that. Has been. Um, Maybe six or seven that I've done through the past year. Wow, so, yeah, it's pretty pretty bizarre. But it was it was obviously very wonderful to play and and yeah, feel the air in the room. It's cool. That is awesome. That is I'm I'm so happy that you're able to to get in front of people. And yeah. Hopefully sooner than later it'll continue on. Yeah. Uh, I did see a lot of shows being and tours being booked for October November. So. Hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah man, it's, it's start. It's starting to come. It's starting to come a little bit. I mean, it's it's not going to really be. I don't think it's going to be swinging really till next year, as far as actual touring goes. But sure, at least we're able to play a little bit. You know, yeah, at least yeah. the yeah, you can see that that light down there a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> opening up. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, so the the part of Florida you're in now is that where you were born and raised? No, I was I was raised in North Carolina outside of uh, Elon College is a little town called, uh, which is, I'm sure you have not been there. It's called Altamahal, Ossipee, North Carolina, which is not. I know, I know bro. Um, <laughs> I've only been to South Carolina, to be honest, in the Carolinas. Okay, okay. All right. I won't hold that against you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I grew up, it's, it's a little town right in the middle of the state, uh, the Piedmont area, they call it. Um, I grew up, I grew up um, on a log house and... Uh, and a, like a communal living situation with my family and another family. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a different way to grow up. And, and as, as I mentioned, my, my parents are both musicians. So I, I was kind of born into this. 
That's amazing. So yeah. what age were you playing music and, and what, what did mom and dad play? Like what instruments were they playing? Well, my, my mother plays violin. My father plays pretty much everything with strings on it. He's a, uh, but he's a cellist mainly and guitarist okay. and composer, pianist. My sister, she plays violin, but we grew up playing, um, it's called Suzuki method. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but it's, um, I've heard the name, I go, yeah. but please explain. Cause yeah, I, it's, I, it's just, a um, it's a Dr. Suzuki was this Japanese teacher, music teacher. And it was, it's basically, um, you learn by ear training instead of being uh, kind of tethered to reading notes, notes on the page. Yeah. So it's a little different way. And then you, then you start to kind of pepper in sight reading later. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that might help you a bit more when it comes to music. I mean, I don't, I don't know personally, but not being so like, okay, I need to look at this piece of paper to know that I'm supposed to be playing an E here, where if you can just hear it already and you're already kind of trained that way, I feel like yeah. I don't know, it might be beneficial to you. I, I, it, it served me well, especially if I'm, it says, especially because I'm doing music by feel, you know, I'm doing mm -hmm. blues music, soul music, and it's not really written on the page. So I think, that has served me well. It it has been somewhat of a limitation in that I wish I had a little bit more knowledge and background with with uh, you know with 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 writing with writing notes out and, and with, with that side of it. Sometimes the Suzuki students have a hard time getting back into sight reading because they're so trained to hear it. Sure. You know, so it's kind yeah. of a double-edged sword, but I'll take this <laughs> side of the sword. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've, <laughs> I've had conversations with other artists that it will be to the point like where their parents will throw them in piano lessons at an early age and they could just only, they were only learning the songs by ear and they yeah. kind of fake it. And then yeah. like the teacher will put the wrong sheet music in front of them and be like, and they're playing the same song they should be playing. They're like, yeah, I, knew, right. I knew you couldn't read that. <laughs> oh yeah. Some of that for sure. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So born into, into this whole industry, really. Um, you said, well, you first you picked up cello. That was the first instrument. You yeah. That, that was the first okay. instrument I picked up was cello. And, and, and I, um, I played it from about age four until sixteen. Wow! And uh, so it was a good, it was a good little run. But you know, it it wasn't that. It wasn't that my parents. I mean, obviously they're teachers, so they're going to get me in this program. Um, and it wasn't that it was taught really with an iron fist. It was just, it wasn't something that I really discovered. Like it wasn't for whatever reason I didn't have that passion for it. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from it. I'm really glad that I have those that those tools as I as I navigate my musical world now. But it wasn't until I discovered the guitar in college that that was like something that that I that I found, you know, right, it was this yours. Was, this, yeah, this was this was something that I Yeah, and I just went, you know, completely bananas. So you didn't, that didn't even happen until you're in college. Yeah. Wow. So were you doing like a school orchestra and, and all of that leaving up into college? Um, it was not school orchestras. I just did like private lessons and with my folks and we would do these, you know, uh, workshops and institutes and I would do recitals every now and then. Um, and I just kind of dropped out of it. Honestly, uh, I, I, around the age of 16, 
Mm-hmm. Music wasn't in my life. I was sports fanatic. I was like, I was into tennis and into soccer and being a, you know, idiot. And, <laughs> <laughs> Degenerate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> teenager. And, um, and then I, I grew up all along like i would like to paint i would do some drawings and things like that so as i was trying to come up with some uh reason to go to college mm-hmm. um <laughs> i knew it wasn't music i i'd say well man, i'll be an art major and so that got me to east carolina university to do art and then once i was there i started meeting people who were into Music. electric blues they were listening to stevie ray vaughn and eric clapton and Jimi hendrix and then I started messing around with the guitar. Okay, so you were going to East Carolina State University? East Carolina University. Oh, East Carolina yeah. University. That's for Sandra, Sandra Bullock alumni. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's a pirate. <laughs> she's a pirate. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Um, okay, and then there were you, obviously you had, an, you, could, you could play music. So when you pick up a guitar, was that relatively easy for you to start learning uh, probably probably may probably more maybe some more than other than other people trying because i my fingers had been on strings my whole life so sure um in that regard yes um but man i just i just did a lot of it i just i sat in my dorm room and i just didn't go to class <laughs> and <laughs> i just played along with with blues albums and for so i, I think it was a big part of it was the stark contrast between classical music, which is obviously beautiful and soulful and rich sure. and all this stuff. But there was something about the blues stuff that was, it was so raw and so like, a, it was so emotional. Like I could bend, I could bend a string, you know, and it mm. was, and it was simple. It wasn't complex. It was, it was so real. It captured me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so were you were playing along to the records. When do you start writing your own songs? Well, that really didn't come till later. I, I was just, at that point. I was just man. I could. I was really just barely getting going in college. I did have a little band okay. called Soul Food. Um, that was. I mean, we were just doing Stevie Ray Vaughan Hendrix covers. <laughs> okay. Very badly. Um, sure. And just in like what a garage or. Yeah, we would jam a garage, and we had. I remember we did have one my first little show there. Um, actually, there's a story about <laughs> my very first show with that band in my book. Your van is on fire. That actually the title. Yeah, your van is on fire is actually about the, the first very show, first gig I ever had. Oh, in, in interesting. And a, a house concert. Yeah. It was a oh house my. Concert. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, man, it was a great. It's been a crazy journey. So, but that really. Um, ignited pardon the pun but it, it ignited this this i knew i it was starting to burn like i knew i wanted to get more into this and i wanted to a drop out of college <laughs> um because i wasn't into it mm-hmm. uh, this this became my education and I, I knew i wanted to surround myself with with people who took it more seriously you know sure 
And yeah. did you kind of with within that were you able to kind of find your tribe of people like that band that you know you referenced in, as the title of your book was that something that you guys stayed together for a while or no like not 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 really I I ended up moving to Jacksonville Florida oddly enough that's where I am right now um, where my uncle lived and he he's a jazz bass player professional jazz bass player and he also had a radio show down here called okay he had two we had two of them one was called the after hours cafe which was a strictly blues program and then he mm -hmm. had a drive time talk radio show so he's he's always been a good influence for me on, on you know kind of uh, you know kind of outside of my father's and my mother's beautiful scope sure so he would send me tapes of blues programs um i mean it would be listen i mean it was like t-bone walker and gate mouth and texas stuff to chicago lightning and uh up to chicago to muddy and all this stuff and the piedmont stuff too so i knew he was in the know with it just right I, I moved here okay and started messing around playing in reggae bands and i played in a grateful dead cover band <laughs> and and then I had my own little group I was trying. And then that, that little chapter was seemed to be somewhat of a dead end inspirationally too. And then I said, okay, I need to go to a music city. And that's when I moved to Austin, Texas. Okay. So you moved to Austin. Yeah. And then did you form, is that when you kind of got your solo project off the ground? The, yeah. The Seth it, Walker it, band? It, took, it took a minute. I moved there in 1995. Okay. And I was still, man, still a greenhorn. I mean, it took me a couple years of, of getting my ass handed to me at blues jams and meeting people, learning. I mean, I was deep diving into, into traditional Texas blues out there. And it wasn't until around 1996 or 1997 where I started doing my own gigs under my own name. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was just a backup guy. I was like, I played bass in a couple bands, and I learned how to swing. I, I, I was, I was really a student. Uh huh. I mean, obviously, it's, you never, you, you're always a student um, in this in this music stuff and life. But um, that afforded me. There was a, a beautiful community of like-minded people there. That it was. It was an old Austin before. I don't know if you've been to Austin lately, but it's kind of blown up, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I have actually. <laughs> this, was a, this, this was a this was a little this was a little college town. I mean, you know, uh -huh. it was it was a real tribal little community of of musicians, and we we stuck together and and cut our teeth together. It was cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What was it like going from you know kind of side band member guy to now you're the you're the front front and center mm -hmm. um i guess i mean it 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 took a little a little change but I, i've always been you know i don't know i guess i don't follow very well <laughs> and, I always, <laughs> and i always wanted i always had a little a little idea of 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 having my own vision with it even when i didn't really know what that vision was sure i knew i wanted to start something on my own and and if you remember around that time the there was like a neo neo swing um it was like remember there was like there was this movie called the swinger swingers and it was all yeah these yeah blue bands were playing 
And I was just playing blues music that swung. And okay. I, it wasn't, I, it wasn't like a, anything that I had some grand scheme plan. I'm not smart enough for that. And all of a sudden these swing dancers started coming out to my shows to dance. And it afforded me, I was like, I started getting gigs, you know, just playing covers. And that really got the ball rolling for me. And it allowed me, it kind of springboarded me into making my first album in 1997. I had the money to do it. Oh, wow. Just based off playing so much and being able to bake, bake, kind of bake that money. Yeah, I just, I mean, and I got a super sweet deal on the thing. It was at Willie Nelson's studio called Perdinalis Studios out in Spice. Wow. And I just met some very generous, awesome veterans that saw my potential and they gave me a shot. That's amazing. Yeah. That's right. So then you put, that was when it rains, it pours. Yeah. 1997 and those are original songs but they're just you know just basically rip-offs of louis jordan and bb king and things like that but it was it was a step on that's kind of what every song is though right if you really went back (laughs) (laughs) nothing much nothing much has changed but uh but in those days i was really you know just really um I didn't even know that my voice was an instrument. I, I was just, I like play guitar and I like, you know, and so I just kind of sang through them. I didn't really think of it. I, I didn't even really know how to emote honestly through my voice. It wasn't mm-hmm. until much later where I discovered that that was actually my, probably my, my, my number one instrument to express myself. When did you, do you remember that moment that that happened that you kind of put that, that clicked? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, it was many years later, actually. It was about uh, a decade later. <laughs> Honestly, I'd done four oh, wow. since that. Um, no, it, it wasn't that I wasn't in tune with my voice or sure. I, I, I just didn't understand. I hadn't got to know it yet really. And mm-hmm. I did a record in 2006. It's a self-titled record. It's actually the first album that Kevin Calibro who hooked us up, um, he signed me to his label, Hyena Records, and uh, oh, okay. That was a that was my uh, self titled album, and it was a it was more of a return to the blues because in my couple two or three albums before that, I was I was still venturing off, and I was kind of doing some folk stuff, and I was kind of trying to do some rock and roll, and I was I was really trying to spread see what see what worked for me, and when I returned yeah. to this blues soul sound um my voice like kind of awoken right and i was like oh this this is this is where i this is more my my channel um i got i got really eaten up with wilco i saw wilco one time at a oh and i just like i was like i want to be jeff tweedy right i'm I'm not (laughs) jeff tweedy i love jeff tweedy but i that's not my channel yeah i've heard that before though like he i mean Wilco's amazing. And just, yeah. I've heard that funny thing. That's funny that you said that. Like I've heard a lot of musicians <laughs> be like, I wish I was Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, I know. And I was like, you know, I to be Jeff Tweedy. And I was like, this does not feel right. I think I'll leave that up to Jeff Tweedy to be Jeff Tweedy. <laughs> <laughs> With what, uh, the record that you're, after the self-titled record, um, that you said that was kind of where you found your voice. Yeah. 
Um, were you still in Austin at the time or had you moved around quite a bit prior to that? Or like- I was in Austin all those years from, oh, 19, wow. from 1995 to 2008. But when I did that self-titled record, I started to, I was, I was working with a drummer, uh, Mark Hayes. Um, and he was the first guy to really, he just, reminded me or just actually pointed out um about the lyrics like to really pay attention to the lyrics and start to listen to songwriters um i mean i listened to some growing up i mean i would listen to willie nelson growing up but i didn't you know i wasn't a student of the game yet um and so i started diving into people like uh nick lowe and John Hyatt and Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and, of course, Tom Waits and uh, Bob Dylan. And I re- and, and then I was like, these bells started to go off like, oh, okay, I want to try to meld this blues dirt that I have with some songwriting. So that's when I started nosing around in Nashville. And then, oh, I, okay. I, and then I met some songwriters in Nashville that, Delbert McClinton, this guy Gary Nicholson, and that's when I—that's when I decided to make the move to Nashville. Okay, and it was right at that self-titled, right after you had put out that self-titled record. Right after that, so 2008 is when I made the move. Were you touring on those four, three, four previous records, or were you kind of still staying local there? And I was Austin? just staying around Texas. I okay. do a few little things around Houston and Dallas. I mean, hell, you could probably tour. You could tour and never leave Texas if you wanted to. I um, know a lot of people. Dr- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's massive, man. <laughs> um, it's, its own, it's its own thing, but um, yeah, I wasn't. I when the self-titled record came out. And I hooked up with Kevin and Hyena. I got my first booking agent. And then I just started to do some tours. So, and then the, the Nashville just seemed like a, you know, a good, a good change to do. Cause I, I was kind of in a, a little bit of a velvet rut. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, then you moved to Nashville, you put out Leap of Faith and that record is fantastic for you right i mean it's like the second number two on the billboard charts in the blues yeah it did. category so like mm-hmm. t- talk to me about that record what was aside from you know you kind of found you said you found your voice in that self-titled record mm-hmm. you obviously were able to to take that voice and and go further than you had done gone prior with yeah. that record what was different on that well i i was working with um a songwriting and producer, this guy named Gary Nicholson, I mentioned before. And so he very experienced, I mean, like Grammy award winning guy and, and um, he's from Texas. So we had a Texas blues language that we could speak together. Okay. Um, but he's a, I mean, I mean, a, a unbelievably accomplished lyricist. I mean, it, uh, his, his discography is insane. Um, but so I was honestly, man, I was a little, I mean, I was, I was a kid. I was so green coming to this situation. I, I learned a lot and I also learned a lot about what I, what didn't suit me. It was another Jeff Tweedy lesson, (laughs) um, because I found myself in this situation where I was, um, 
I was collaborating a lot and I was, you know, testing my, my songwriting boundaries and some of the songs would kind of lean a little bit more towards something that wasn't what I was hearing, what I was feeling, Mm -hmm. but I was still growing. So I learned a lot in that way, but the record itself came out so good. Uh, and it really helped me, um, it, it, it helped me kind of internalize the next one, mm-hmm. the, ne- the next step for me. It was a pretty produced record. Okay. Um, and yeah. were you, with the success of it, were you able to, had you toured at that point? I mean, you, you made this move to Nashville and, and like you put this red record together and it does really well. Uh, what, what are you seeing as far as like, sh- like are your shows getting bigger? Are you playing out a whole, a whole lot or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been, a, it, the whole thing has been a really slow, slow climb. There hasn't been any crazy spikes. I mean, you know, we've had the, the billboard things have been wonderful uh-huh. and, um, it had a couple of records on the billboard. Chart. Yeah. A couple of them. Are you open? Did really well too. But, um, it, it's in this type of music, in this uh-huh. Americana blues, soul me it's, it's, there's not a whole lot of spikes in it. Uh, sure. it's, like, it's like, and that's, what's so beautiful about it because it, it has, it'll last you a lifetime. It's a, yeah, it has longevity. Longevity. Right? Your fans are not fly-by-nighters. I mean, I've had this, some, some of the same fans. They've, they've been with me for every album, 11 albums worth of music. I was just going to say, I mean, there's not many artists that can say they put out 11 records and they're still doing it to this day. You know what I mean? It's like, especially in, in the world of how quickly music is, TikTok mm. is putting a song up and it's popular for, you know, six minutes while 10 million people do a dance move to it and then it goes away. And it's like these, I don't know where, it's an interesting position we're in here with what the industry is because there's guys like you that have, you said, like you said, you said you've never had this huge spike. I mean, but you've had some major success. Yeah. You know, 11 records. You've been on the billboard charts at least twice, two, three toured times. all over the world. I've toured, toured the world. world. Yeah. You get to do what you love and you have a fan base that loves you and will follow you every step of the way is where yeah. these kids that are putting out one hit, might get a bunch of recognition for five minutes and then, you know, they may, they may, may never even put out a full record. <laughs> it might be I know. three songs. I you know. know what I mean? Two songs. It's a whole other, it's a whole other thing these days, you know, and I, I am thankful that, you know, I started back then. I, I can't imagine trying to, trying to come into this right now. Yeah. It's an interesting time. So it's so, it's very, <laughs> well, Okay, so so I you, I know you have a book that you just put out. I want to talk to you about the book, but right before that, um, so you put a record out in 2019. You're talking about called "Are You Are You Open," yeah. um, which is interesting because <laughs> of, of the title when it comes into like 2020 is pretty much closed. Yeah, right. Like so, you have this record that comes out. Uh, does it come out in the middle of the year, the, towards the end of the year, and how did COVID kind of affect? you're, you know, aside from now you're stuck inside, you got to worry about family and every, you know, sickness. I'm talking just yeah. on a music songwriting, you know, livelihood basis. Like how did that affect you directly? Well, the record came out in, in February of 2019. So I okay. had basically a whole year, a year to tour it and promote it. And it did, okay. you know, so that, 
that was a, a nice long cycle and I got to tour it and really get to get to get to internalize the songs and, and perform them. Um, but as COVID hit, um, yeah, I mean, was it March, March of 2020? Yeah. Uh, you know, everything, everything stopped. And I, you know, and I had been, as we've spoken this whole podcast uh, about, you know, the, the, all the touring and all the albums and, and I felt like I was on this, like, I didn't realize what kind of a flaming hamster wheel I was of doom I was on. I was just like touring, like, a, like insane. And right. it's something that you, it's, it's like some kind of innate thing that you, that you learn. It's like, you just, just got to go. You just have to go do the deal. You got to go. You got to drive those 600 miles. You got to go do it. And I just never, I, I needed this. I, I needed this break mm -hmm. um, to, you know, like reset almost. Re I mean, re, re, reset it, man. And um, it gets kinetic. And so that's when I started obviously I didn't have any gigs. So I just started, um, you know, looking at some of my journals and some little poetry that I'd done before, but not much. And then I just started, I just started going, I just found this new muse and it really has inspired me creatively as I get back into music. Now I'm working on a new album now that's coming out beginning of next year. Amazing. The book has kind of re has realigned me with my creativity. Um, which has been nice. Yeah, I can't wait to read it, man. I'm like, I'm huge into, that's why I wanted to start this podcast because I'm just Ooh. like a, such a nerd for like memoirs and people's yeah. bios. And I've always, that's always like what I've always read. Like I don't really read a whole lot of like fiction. It's always just like mm -hmm. people's life stories because yeah, it just I'm fascinates me. Um, so the the fact that you wrote this like so you said it's a collection of poetry too, but is it main is it more or less or just like the story of of Seth Walker and, and your life? Is that it, essentially? It, it, I mean, essentially, it's an it's 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 a memoir essentially, but but they're broken. It's it's very short essays. Okay, and they're like you know a lot of them are. Um, I mean, there's a there's there's. <laughs> A lot uh, tales of a lot of gigs, you know, gone terribly wrong, which are always <laughs> more fun to hear about than the right, right. <laughs> and, um, and you know, and and some essays about where I grew up in that communal uh, log house, and and um, and then there's and then there's a section about all of the people that's influenced me, all of the guys I've opened up for, Alan Toussaint, Doctor John, Johnny Winter, all these people who have shaped me, and I wrote little just like vignettes about my kind of brush with them. Um, and, um, and then there's some poetry and there's some of my artwork in there, which I've never really, I've never really shared that much with my fans. So it's kind of a hybrid book. That's amazing. That's It's awesome. I can't wait to, to check it out just on where you find it on your website or yeah, Amazon yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. It's on Amazon of course. And, but, but go to my website. Yeah. Hard I'm copies. Is that money? Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait. To, I'm going to definitely check it out because when I saw that you had written a book, I was like, this is right up my alley. I'm, I just tend to find stuff on like audible and, and listen to just memoirs of people. And 
I'm currently listening to Travis Barker from Blink's memoir. I mean, just it does. I mean, I'm like all over the spectrum. It doesn't really matter because I just I'm just so fascinated by people's stories. And and like they always say, you know, it's just like how you'll hear one person's story and then how it kind of connects and intertwines. And they might have run into the same person at one point and like their I can just get so into it. It's it's so fascinating to me. Much, much, much stranger than fiction always. Oh yeah, uh, I did do an audible version too. That I you did, yeah, I narrated. So you, if you want to listen to it, you can do that too. Oh, I'm doing that for sure. That's my next audible purchase. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. Cool. cool, dude. Thank you so much, Seth. I really appreciate talking with you today. Thank yeah, you my so pleasure. much. I'll catch you when I'm in Nashville next time. Oh, please do. You need yeah. to swing by. I have one more question though before yeah. I let you go. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Aspiring artists. Um, well, I, I guess it would be kind of like we talked about this, this slow, it's like a slow build, a, a slow grind that, that will last you longer. And also just um, it, the, <laughs> the business, the business is so, it's so strange. And so uh, it yanks you around so much and, and physically, emotionally. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's, it's a puzzle. And I think if you can bend more than be rigid, if you can bend, they say bend and you shall be straight. Um, just across the board, I think it'll serve you longer. Cause if you, if you try to control it and try to tighten it, you don't, you're going to snap. Bring it back, word.